Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. Related to, to society. 
Islam related to how the da'wah should be carried. And this is the obligation upon us, and we can take this from this ayah that I just quoted. Where Allah subhanahu wa tells his prophet to tell everyone else. Qul, say, هَذِهِ سَبِيلِ This is my path. This is my way. أَدُعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرًا that I call people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with awareness, with clarity, with vision. Me and those who follow me. Where is the wujud? You see, brothers, the da'wah is an obligation we know from many evidences to carry the da'wah. But here, Rasulullah is told to say that I carry the da'wah and to say that this is my way. So if this is the way of Rasulullah in carrying the da'wah and it is the way of his companions I and those who follow me then this is the way to fulfill the obligation. So to study the way it is fulfilled, which we find in the fiqh, itself is an obligation. And that is the fa'ida of studying the fiqh of sirah, studying the sirah, that we learn the way and we connect the way Rasulullah carried the da'wah, his objective, his struggle, to our objective today, to what our struggle should be today, and how we should do that. And that is the benefit of studying this subject. Other the title of this talk is The Struggle in Mecca. Before we talk about the struggle, we should first discuss what is the point of the struggle, what is the objective. We all know that Rasulullah and his companions, they suffered. They were in a struggle in Mecca. But why? This is the question. We need to understand why were they suffering? Why was there oppression? Why did Quraysh put an obstacle in front of them? What was the objective? So we as well can learn what should our objective be and also anticipate and appreciate the obstacles that are placed in front of us today, whether here or globally in a Muslim land. Brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the deen of haq, with the guidance. Why? What is His objective? What is the objective of nubuwa and of this risala and of this message? He said, ala So that He may make this deen prevail over all other ways of life. Izhar al-Deen. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his messenger. That is the objective of the da'wah. Yes, in giving the da'wah, we invite others to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they embrace Islam. But the objective of the da'wah, ultimately, what do we want from people embracing Islam and carrying da'wah to society? We want the deen to prevail. We want Idhar al-Deen. This is the objective. 
And that is why the Sahaba and the Prophet face troubles. It is not because they call to one Allah only. Qus ibn Sa'idah, one of the Hanifs, you know, those who used to believe in one, you know, one God in the time of Rasulullah He would go to the marketplace of Rukad and Majanna and he would say to the people, Ya ayyuhan nas, O people, there is only one God. And the Quraysh would continue their trading and they wouldn't bat an eyelid. Why? Because belief in one God does not affect society. It is an individual thing. If you want to believe in one God, no problem. They have 360. You choose which one you want to worship. Do you see? But what was the difference? When Rasulullah came and he went to al rukad al-Majanna, the same place, and he said, Ya ayyuhan nas, kulu la ilaha illallah tuslihun. Or people say, la ilaha illallah, and you shall be successful. The Quraysh started to look up and notice that we have a problem here. And the problem is this, that la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, they understood what it meant. No ilah means no ma'bud, none worthy of worship. That in society, the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must prevail. The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must prevail. There was only one God, not 360. And only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be worshipped. As the ayah says, do not take two ilah. There can only be one ilah. La ilaha illallah. No ilah except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now that is a radical call. Because it's saying society, the Quraysh, that whole society must refer, must obey, must follow in their traditions, in their laws, in their way of life, in their leadership, in their system, in every aspect, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Ru'us and the Ashraf of Quraysh, the leaders realize the game is up. That if we allow this da'wah to, to continue, if we allow this support to continue, then our power, our power will have to relinquish our authority and our power. And this man Muhammad his deen, the business that they were making, the money they were making by selling the 360 idols in Mecca, all of this would have to go. And that's why it was a radical call. That surah that we just heard recited. Wailulil mutafifin. Woe to those who cheat in the marketplace. Brother Sayyid Khutub, when he discussed his ayah, he said this was a political statement. It wasn't a moral statement. That, you know, be good and judge when you trade. And be honest, good, be honest traders. No. Because that ayah was aiming at the leadership Quraysh. Woe to those who cheat. Those who actually control the economy in Mecca. Those who are making money out of the, the item business. It was hitting at them. And that's why if you read that Surah al actually, you read, you know, later on, it, you know, it talks about, you know, curse on the one, Kullu the one who rejects the call of Allah 
And then he goes on to talk about those who stand and they laugh. Look at this. And he said, those who are criminals. Those who are criminals. Look at the word, Ajran. Who are the criminals? The Quraysh, the leaders. Who, when they used to look at the Sahaba and the companions, they would laugh. They would laugh at them. And when they would pass by the Sahaba, they would wink at each other and joke, you know, make mockery. And look at this, Muhammad and his companion. You know, they come, they want to change the world. And they would make fun. And then when they returned to their people, they would joke and they would rejoice. But Allah Ta'ala, He told them that actually, you know, the last laugh, who are going to have the last, last laugh? It's actually the Sahaba. Because Allah Ta'ala will give them the victory. That's why He said, But this day, on Yom Al Qiyamah, the believers will laugh. Because they will be reclining on their thrones that Allah Ta'ala will give them in Jannah. And from those thrones, they will look at them and they will laugh. Have not the kuffar been recompensed for what they did? So these surahs, brothers, you read the Makkan surahs. They're all about this struggle. That Rasulullah and his companions struggling, working in Mecca to change the political order, to change, regime change. This is what it was about. But regime change, not through violence, but through intellectual and political struggle. By carrying the da'wah. This is the way of Rasulullah And that was the objective. Today, we find our Ummah has the same problems that Quraysh society faced. You see, when Rasulullah he worked to change Muslim society. It was the ills and the evils in that society that he wanted to change. That's why when you see he carried the da'wah, he was alluding to every single munka and evil that was taking place. And no one was exempted from the rulers to the people and their practices. In respect to the rulers, how many surahs, how many ayahs challenged the rulers and what they did? Ara'ayta alladhi yukadzimu biddin, kadhalika alladhi yadu'ulyati. Have you seen the one who belies the deen? Talking about Abu Jahl and Uqba and Shayba and the leaders of Quraysh, alladhi yadu'ulyati. The one who pushes the yatim, these rulers, they oppress the poor. Tabbat yada abi lahabin wa tab. Ma agna anhu, maluhu wa ma kasab. Perish me the hands of Abu Lahab. His wealth will not protect him, will not save him. So many verses which attack the Quraysh, the leadership, and the way, and the riayah, the way they look after the people. The verses attack the practices. The cheating. 
that used to take place. وَإِذَا الْمَوْضَةُ صُغِلَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ The way they used to bury their daughters alive. And he used to tell them, أَنْتُمْ وَمَا تَعْبُدُونَ حَسَبُ جَهَنَّمِ That you and whatever you worship, your idols, this idol worship, this practice in that society, حَسَبُ جَهَنَّمِ That you will be the fuel of the hellfire. This is what, these are the problems in Mecca society. The dhulum, the oppression of the weak by the leaders. Today we find our societies, our communities, the Muslim lands, we have the same problems. Where Sharia is not implemented, the kufr systems are being implemented, rulers who are being imposed upon us by Western powers after they have colonized our land, like Afghanistan, where they put Hamid Karzai. We see in Iraq under occupation. And we see Philistine, which is fresh in our mind, what has happened recently. A dagger in our heart, so to speak, the existence of Israel. A foreign body in this Ummah, where they are oppressing the Muslims of Philistine and those rulers who have been planted there by the Kuffar are the first line of defense as Ben-Gurion, the first Prime Minister of Israel said that the first line of defense for Israel are the Arab rulers those puppet rulers that the Kuffar have placed so we have a problem in our society where there is no deen where there is kufr rule, ourselves we take istinara that from the seerah that this is our struggle. How can we change Darul Kufr, a land where the systems and the rules and the thoughts and ideas are not Islam, to where the rules and the systems are Islam? That is Darul Islam. My dear brother, that is the objective of Idhar al-Din, to make the Deen prevail in Mecca, was to change Mecca. The radical change to turn that into Dawah Islam, where Islam will be implemented. That was the call of Rasulullah and that is our call today. If we follow the sabil and the way of Rasulullah in carrying the Dawah. And when he carried this call, you know this is when he faced the obstacle. Because the leaders knew that he's trying to change society. Rasulullah he worked as a group collectively. You can see in everything he did, he was working collectively with his companions, not on his own. That's another fiqh, another hukum, hukum shara'i that we learn. That in working for Darul Islam, for the Islamic authority, it must be something that we do collectively. It is not an individual effort. Although, if you can contribute, you should contribute. But the work is actually collective. That's why we find the companions, they work collectively. The Sahaba did not just go off and do what everyone, whatever they like. Rasulullah actually he coordinated the effort. So for example, when the ayah was revealed, فَاسْتَعْبِمَا تُقْمَا وَعَلِمَ عَلِمُ الْشِكِينَ That proclaimed publicly, فَاسْتَعْبِمَا تُقْمَا What you have been commanded. This da'wah, 
What, how did Osasam do it? The companions didn't go off and decide how they want to do it. Osasam, he organized it. How? People Hamza and Umar in front of two, two lines and they circled the Kaaba. Saying, La ilaha illallah and proclaiming the message of La ilaha illallah. That was coordinated. When Mus'ab went to Medina, Rasulullah selected him. He didn't decide that I want to go. Rasulullah selected Mus'ab and gave him a mission. Oh, Mus'ab, go to Medina. Culture the people of Medina. This is your role, this is your objective. And come back and report to me. So you find Rasulullah, he worked as a group, collectively. And he worked in society to address the corrupt thoughts, the corrupt ideas. And he did this with a view to change the Dar Islam. See brothers, one of the points, you know, on the flyer here is the, the rights. People are talking about, you know, we live in this country, we have you know, rights, we need to seek our rights. What can we learn from the Sira about this question? You know, yes, we need Islamic schools, we need halal food. Yeah, we need to seek these rights. But what is the priority and what is the objective? How do we, you know, you know, the work for Khilafah, the work for Dawah Islam and the seeking of rights, how do we contextualize this? How do we understand it? You look at the Sirah brothers. The rights were being violated in Mecca. They were being violated in Mecca. The poor were being oppressed. The Yateen were being oppressed. There was racism. You know, slaves were, you know, the way they were treated. You know the story of Bilal. All of these things were happening in Mecca. Rasulullah did not look at these problems as individual problems. Today, when we look at our problems, and we look at the Muslim land, and we see problems, we see individual problems. So some people, they're going to engage in building mosques. Some people, they're going to do, you know, charity work. Some people, they're going to help, you know, the poor. So the different sort of individual partial work. All of these, as individuals, is rewardable and some of it is obligatory. We should do for those who come under that and the obligation falls on them. But collectively, what is the objective? How do we see the solution? If you look at the Sira, the Sira teaches us that actually all these problems, there is only one solution. There is only one solution, and that is the radical method of change. And that radical method of change is that you need to change the political authority, which is creating all of these problems. The violation of people's rights, the oppression of people, the kufr rule. That can only change when you radically change the existing authority. And that's why you find others, Rasulullah would not engage and give his life for a thing, for something, if this was not an obligation and this was not the solution that Allah Taala has given him. Look, when he was carrying the da'wah, Abu Jahl and the leaders of Quraysh, they came to Abu Talib and said, look, tell your, you know, nephew, to stop criticizing our gods. He is separating brother from brother. 
father from children, husband from wife, this call, divisive call of his. Tell him to stop. Prophet said, Allah, shall I tell them of something better than that? Abu Talib said, okay, what, what have you got? What are you going to tell them? Prophet said, go and tell Abu Jahl. Qulu la ilaha illallah. Say la ilaha illallah, tadinu bihi al-aab wal ajal. If you say la ilaha illallah, then you will rule the Arabs and the non-Arabs. The authority will come when you believe in profession la ilaha illallah. Go and tell Abu Jahl. When Abu Jahl heard this, you know, he said what, one word, this kalima, he said, a'tihi asharatan amthala. He said, I'll give him ten words. But then he realized, actually, what this meant. It meant relinquishing his power. The status quo will change. And so he refused. And said, no, go and tell him. We'll give him money. We'll give him wealth. We'll give him property. We'll give him all of these things. If he stops desisting from criticizing our way of life. What did Rasulullah do? Rasulullah he said, لَوَذَعُ الشَّمْسَ If they put the sun in my right hand, وَالْقَمَرَ And they put the moon in my left, عَلَىٰ أَنْ أَتْرُكَ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ That I should leave this call to La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. He said, حَتَّى يُذْهِرُهُ اللَّهِ Until Allah SWT makes this be dominant. Look, that was his objective. Until Allah makes izhar of this deed. Or I finish matarattu. I will never need this. I will never need this. So Rasulullah, he was not willing to compromise his call. He was not willing to compromise his da'wah. So when Quraysh tried to bribe him, stop him, in his tracks, they offered him so much. And look, this was more than right. Today, the government want us to stop this da'wah. They want to give, give us a grant for the mosque. They were going to give us money so that we stop pulling for, for this, for, for the idhaq deen, for the deen to be established, for the khilafah, for the resumption of the Islamic way of life. To stop talking about Israel and the occupation and the, the only solution is jihad under the Khilafah. They want us to stop talking. So they will give us this money and this bribe. But Rasulullah looked the way he refused. How emphatically this is another fiqh of Sirah. Another hukum that we learn that we should not compromise our call by whatever the kuffar give us. Rasulullah said, even if you give me the impossible, give me the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left, is impossible. He said, even if you can give me that, I will not stop. This was the way of the Prophet And for that, you know, the companions suffered. You know, in the first years, when they were boycotted, you know, they starved. They were starving in the shape of Abdul, Abdul Muttalib. They were eating palm leaves. That's how they were surviving. Sa'ad bin Abu Waqqas, he said, during those days of hardship, 
He said, I went out looking for food. You know, and then he went, he said, I went to relieve myself. And he said, when I was urinating, I heard a rustling noise. And when he finished, he picked it up. It was wet. And it was actually, you know what it was? It was some dried camel's meat. And he said, I seared that, I cooked that, I burned that. And we, he, he said, we ate that and, that, and I lasted for three days on that. That's how the Sahaba suffered. They were struggling. Why? They were struggling because the objective was to make the deen of Allah Ta'ala prevail. Not for some halal meat. Although these as individuals and as community we need to work for this. But our objective is to bring about Dawah Islam. It's the absence of the Khalifa and the Dawah Islam. This is why we are suffering. This is why the Israelis can kill our brothers and sisters. Point blank. Of the nine people who were killed on that flotilla, one of them, brothers, and he was shot in the head three times. Brother from Turkey, three times. You can see the rules of engagement there. Shoot to kill. Do you think if the Khalifa was there, if Darul Islam, the Islamic authority and the power was there, the Yahud would ever contemplate doing such a thing? Because we have no Imam, Al Imam Mujunna, as said, the Imam who is a shield. That shield and that protector and that shepherd is not there. And that is why the flock is being attacked by the wolves. Brothers, the companions, they continued on this path, despite the obstacles, despite the hardship. Rasulullah went to so many tribes seeking Nusra because that was the objective. He carried the da'wah in Mecca. And after carrying the da'wah in Mecca, he realized that the people of Mecca are not responsive. So he started to look for their fear. And this was not because it was a good thing to do. Because it was mandu. It's rewarding it. It's preferable. If you do it, it's good. If you don't do it, no problem. But that was the objective. That was an obligation. If he did not do that, then he would not be fulfilling his mission. That's why, look at this, Bayhaqi, in his Al-Dalail, he reports a hadith on the authority of Ali bin Abi Talib. He said, He said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he commanded, his Lord commanded his Prophet, Commanded him to go to the tribes to invite them because he needed authority and power. Because to change the existing authority, you needed those who had power to give you support. So Rasulullah began to seek the Nusra. And he went to these tribes. And you know what he was calling them to? What was his message? He said to them, أَدْعُوكُمْ إِلَىٰ شَهَادَةِ أَلَّا إِلَّهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَةِ لَا شَرِيكَ لَا He said, I call 
to the testimony that there is no Allah, La ilaha illallah, and there is no companion, no sharik to him. Wa inni Rasulullah, and that I am the messenger of Allah. And what should you do? Wa an tansuruni, fa inna Quraysh qad tazaharat ala amrillah. He said, you should give me the nusra. He said, you should give me the support. Because Quraysh They have violated, gone against the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you should give me the nusra. Rasulullah, he went to so many tribes. He said, He went to one tribe. They said, we'll give you nusra. We'll give you support and the power. But as for Mawra al-Nahar, those on the other side of the river, meaning the Persians, we can't help you. Rasulullah said, He said, Allah Ta'ala will not give Nusra. You know, from a people who cannot, who cannot give the Nusra from all directions. So you can see what his objective was. He went to one tribe. He asked for Nusra and they said to him, after Allah gives you the victory, who will become the leader? You see, that was the objective. And you know, he worked until if Allah Ta'ala blessed him with the Ansar, the house and the Hazrat from Medina. And there began the road to Medina, and Darul Islam was established there. Ibn Ishaq. You know, the great serial writer, the biographer of the Prophet he said, look at this, he said, فَلَمَّا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ إِذْهَارُ دِينِهِ وَإِعْزَازُ نَبِيهِ وَإِنْجَازُ مَوْعِدِهِ He said, when Allah Taala wanted to izhar dinihi, wanted to make the deen of Rasulullah prevail, وَإِعْزَازُ نَبِيهِ to give power and dignity to his Prophet, and to fulfill the promise that Allah Ta'ala made that we will make his deen prevail. What did he do? He said, خَرَجَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ فِي الْمَوْسِمِ الَّذِي لَقِيَهُ فِيهِ نَفَرٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ When he said, Rasulullah, he went out in the Muslim Hajj and he met some from the Ansar فَعَرَضَ نَفْسَهُ عَلَى قَبَائِلِ الْعَرَبِ And he presented himself to them as he does every year, and some from the Khazraj met him and they answered that call, Arad Allahu bihim khayra, and Allah wanted good from them. And they actually answered that call. And the year after in the Bayat al al they gave the Bayat to the Prophet. The transference of power, because they had the authority. Medina, and they were inviting Rasulullah to come to Medina to become the leader and the ruler. And they knew what that was about. Because when they gave him the bay'ah, the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, ba'da an Allah. After Allah Ta'ala gives you victory, because your deen will prevail. But when your deen prevails, Ya Rasulullah, al-tada'na, are you going to leave us? When you're going to go back to Mecca, your birthplace. And you're going to forget about us after the deen prevailed. See, the Ansar knew 
what this was about. That's what that bay'ah is called bay'ah al-Hawq. Another name for that bay'ah is the bay'ah of war. Because they knew that by giving this bay'ah, it meant, it meant that the Quraysh would fight them. All the enemies would surround them. So they said, are you going to leave us, Rasulullah, after Allah makes the deen prevail? Rasulullah said, Balidam Muladam. He said, blood is blood. Anamikum wa antum minni. He said, I am from you and you are from me. If the whole of the people went one way and the Ansar went that way, he said, I will follow the way of the Ansar. So he reassured the Ansar that I will never leave you. I will be with you. That was the objective. That was the struggle. Today, my dear brothers and sisters, if we were to take the lessons of the Sirah, the struggle we see in Mecca, and the path to Medina, the lesson that we need to learn is that we as a Ummah need to resume the Islamic way of life. We need to reestablish Dawah Islam. We need to reestablish the Khilafah that was abolished in the third of March 1924. This obligation is on our neck. We must follow the sabil and the way of Rasulullah in this da'wah. And we must engage in this work collectively. Such that the deen of Allah Ta'ala prevails again. And the hukuk and the rights. And the rights of the Muslims. The honor and the dignity of the Muslims is established once again. This is our duty. And this is the lesson that we can learn. From the Sirah. I pray to Allah Ta'ala to make istifada and benefit from this, inshaAllah, and that Allah Ta'ala gives us a tawfiq that we can work for this need. Palestine, if we look at 
you know, our masajid and the need for masajid. If you look at the need for Islamic schools, we look at all of these problems, we find the government, they are trying to push their own agenda in these things. So for example, with the youth, the Western culture, this mela that we saw, do not see that as an isolated thing and then do a campaign, the anti-mela campaign, and just think, I look at it in an isolated way, look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture, this is to integrate our community into the Western culture. Because our community is holding on to the deen. Our community has got a different vision from this so far. Our community wants this Islamic way of life to prevail. It's working for Khilafah, wants this Khilafah. This global work that is taking place in the Muslim countries. It wants this. They are not like the blacks and the Sikhs and the Indians and the Asians who, you know, melted into this society and their hopes and their aspirations are what this society is. No, our community wants this. So this mela, for example, is an instrument, a way in which to take our community away. If we look at what is happening to the mosques and the PVE funding, do not think this is just a, you know, you know, this actually, you know, rather than seeing a problem, some people think this is good. You know, we can open, you know, a new extension. We don't see that this is actually part of a bigger plan. And the government are not making a secret of it. Their contest too, or their prevent strategy, is actually about isolating those who are working for Khidafa, those who are working for political Islam, political change in the Muslim countries, by pulling them extremists, giving funding and money to those who to silence people, giving platforms to those so-called moderates who come and say there is no thing as such as Darul Islam, that Darul Islam is antiquated, and then at the same time pulling those who are working for Khilafah extremists. When we look at that, do not see that as isolated, in an isolated manner. We need to look at all of these problems in a bigger context, and the bigger context is the struggle between Iman and Kufr. The bigger context is that the Muslims are awakening and they want to resume the Islamic way of life. And all these individual problems that we see are obstacles that the Kuffar are putting in our way. So we need to not lose sight of that, the sight of the objective. And we need to work and address all of these issues. Like Muslim dealt with the poverty, he dealt with the oppression, but with the objective of working to bring about Dar Islam. In the same way, we need to work and not lose sight when we see the problem and the oppression. For example, what is happening, we are, you know, some people are demonstrating about you know, what is what happening on that flotilla. As an individual isolated case, that this is oppression and we want Israel to stop. We see the problem bigger than that. We see the problem because lack of Darul Islam and Khilafah. That's why when we demonstrate, we need to push for that solution. So, look at the Sira, we can understand, not to look at individual problems in an isolated manner, but look at the bigger context, the real reason why all of these problems are happening, what is the thread that unites all of these things? That is the absence of Islam as a way of life, and therefore we need to work for Islam as a complete way of life. Because our masajid are not full in Ramadan, in fact, even in the Western countries, 
In this country, you go to Ramadan, and Tahajjud actually there's no space. Because there is an awakening. It's a problem that we don't recite Quran enough. It's a problem. You know, what is happening in Israel? Study, you know, is it because we don't study, you know, um, you know, Bukhari? You know, the Sahih of Bukhari? That if we study the Sahih of Bukhari and the al Hadith, will the occupation of Israel go away? If we make the Hajjul, will the problem of the corrupt rulers, like Hosni Mubarak, you know, he said when Lebanon was attacked by the Yahud, look at this, you know, when one soldier, you know, they said was kidnapped by Hezbollah, they waged a war, the Yahud waged a war in Lebanon. And yet, look, today our rulers, you know, nine Muslims have been killed, cold blood, by our rulers today. What is their response? You know, the foreign minister of Turkey was saying, we're thinking about cutting relations. He's thinking, still thinking. And he said, you know, we're still thinking we might cross out Israel from our address book. But it is not the custom of our country to do that. Can you, you know, this is the weak and emaciated response that we got from the rulers. We'll be humble, although we should have humility in terms of our akhlaq. We'll raise money for charity. And we should do that because this is sadaqah and is a reward. But will that solve the problem of these rulers? This Hosni Mubarak, when Lebanon was attacked, he said, you know, Egypt will only work for the interest of Egypt. Those days are over. Now that we don't care what happens to Lebanon, we don't care what happens to the Muslims in Palestine. They only open the Rafa crossing because of the public pressure. They will close it again as it was closed for, for the whole year in which this blockade took place in Gaza. Will this situation change through these things? No, we have to look at the Sirah. And one of the things, brothers, is that we can look at the classical Sirah. You know, the Bidaya or Nihaya Hisham. Not the modernist Sirah who are looking for, you know, ways out the West, to show Western culture. We look at the classical Sirah of Ibn, Ibn Kathir or Ibn Hisham, Ibn Ishaq, and we study this. We find actually the work of Rasulullah was actually geared towards changing working for Darul Kufur. To change Darul Kufur to establish Darul Islam. Even the Tahajjud and the Tilawa and the recitation was for this purpose. Darul Arqabul Arqab, you understand. When you study, you see, you know, Darul Arqab, you should put Darul Islam. The Sahaba that understood Darul Islam. Because they were working to establish Darul Islam and Darul Arqab. They were reciting Quran. They were purifying themselves and their nafs. Why? So when the command comes, Fasda' bima Proclaim the message to society. No matter. We are enough for the mockery and the ridicule and the oppression that you will face. They are ready. That's why the recitation prepared them. It's the strengthening of the nafs and its purification so that they can go out 
insta fight and work for this pool. But we find also some, you know, in, even people say Aqidah. What was the work for Aqidah in Mecca? It was to make La ilaha illallah supreme, to make the Hakimiyyah, the Lordship of Allah subhanahu supreme. And that is why we find the, the, the attack. Today you can talk about Asma and Sifat all day long. Like Qusim Musa'ad is talk about unity of God, Tawheed, one God. No one back an idea, and no one will back an idea. But if you do it the way Rasulullah did it, was that La ilaha illallah means the society has to change. Only Allah Ta'ala is the lawgiver. Not democracy, not parliament. If you do that, you'll find obstacles. And we see the obstacles today in the da'wah. So that's why we need to look at the seerah from the perspective of the problems that we face, and we need to look at the classic of seerah. And if we read those here and we study it, we find it very clear what the objective of the course. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.